from the streets of Cincinnati, welcome to the jungle! Jeff Trenopol and my long intro there that uh, Kyle doesn't like is Stripes and it's by uh, Gift Vader and Black Light Productions and it officially is on Spotify. So if you guys like the song and you want to download it, go to Spotify. It's on there. We need to keep it going, try to get it on other platforms, but that is great for Gift Vader and Black Light Productions. Now, do me a favor if you found the show, hit that like and subscribe button, smash that thumbs up. I'm up to 1,393 subscribers. That is awesome. I appreciate every single one of you guys. And as always, if you're watching it on Facebook or Twitter, do me a favor and you have yet to subscribe to my show, go to the YouTube channel Sports with Strawberry Ice. Hit the subscription button, hit the bell for the notification. Every time I go live, you'll be notified. Also, 
exclusively in the chats on YouTube. We're doing super chats. So if you guys like to support what I'm doing, please give me a super chat. I would greatly appreciate it. And I'm coming to you live from the Ice Cave. And the Ice Cave is brought to you by T Properties. T Properties, quality housing for quality people. Check out the website at www.tpropertiesllc.com for all your rental property management needs and your rental needs. All right, guys, I have a special guest. First time he's been on the show. He's Mike Pataglio. Pataglio. I knew I was going to mess that up. I had it right the first time. You call him Trags. He does the uh, Jungle Roar podcast. He's also from Field Level Media, Pro Football uh, Writers, and all kinds of other stuff. But let's get to the Trags. Trags, what's going on, man? Jeff, thank you. And I got to tell you, that is one of the best intros. Uh, the music, the music uh, is just uh, nasty. I thank love you, it. thank you. Yeah, it's a I mean, you, if you're not fired up to talk <laughs> Bengals football after that, you have no pulse, and you uh, <laughs> exactly, clearly exactly. are not a football fan. <laughs> yeah, it's a local artist here, uh, uh, Gift Vader and Blacklight Productions, and I don't know. Right, it's tremendous. I mean, it is so. It, it is a ultimate hype song that I can see Joe Mixon and Tyler Boyd and Jamar Chase. And Jesse Bates, for that matter, uh, getting jacked up before games. Exactly. I can ab- absolutely see that. Yeah, they, they came out with it right before the season started, and they tweeted me out. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I love that. The video and everything's really cool. I said, do you care if I use this? Because you got to ask for YouTube and all that stuff. Ask for right. permission. Do you care if I use this for my intro? They're like, absolutely. I play it as much as you want. We're trying to get it on you know, Spotify and iTunes and all that stuff. And today, it officially got on Spotify. So that is cool. I'm very happy for them. And yeah, it's I I I I'm hoping to get it played in Paul Brown Stadium someday. That would be really really cool. So let's get into this. Actually, why don't you explain, tell people where, where uh, your background, where you're coming from, and, and uh, what you got going on before we uh, get into all this? Sure. Uh, last 28 years before October 2020, I covered New England sports, uh, the Patriots dynasties one and 2.0, both of course with Tom Brady. Uh, actually, my first year in New England was in the Bill Parcells, Drew Bledsoe era way back in 1993. So, uh, I covered the Patriots, Red Sox, Celtics, uh, Boston Bruins. I'm a big hockey fan. Actually. I loved covering the Stanley cup finals. That is one of my favorite events to cover. Oh, by the way, yes, Yes, it is. It's a tremendous sport, and there's nothing like Stanley Cup playoff hockey. But anyway, I digress. So um, from 1993 to October 2020, I covered uh, Boston sports primarily for the sports radio powerhouse, uh, WEEI 93.7, 8.50 back in the day, um, uh, but 93.7 FM. And then in 19, I'm sorry, 2017, I moved over to CLNS Media, which is where you can find my work now. Um, yes, I, I write for field level media, uh, but primarily most of my editorial content is for CLNS Media. And uh, after working for them from 2017 through uh, 2020, I made the move back home. I'm from Kenwood, went to Indian Hill. I'm a Cincinnati boy I'm from the Natty. And uh, I could not, and I tell everybody I speak to on platforms like this and others, I could not be happier back home in the Natty. I really am happy here. That's awesome, man. Welcome back back home. You said uh, 1993. Yeah, that was, uh, and I, I always say this to my son. He's like, oh, you're back in the 21st century or 20th century. I said, yeah, it's way back in 1993. That was the year I graduated high school. So, yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> I'm with you on all that. So, you, you had a pretty good run there in, in new england you know you were there Incredible. before 
Yeah, before, you know, the drought and then the run of Tom Brady and the Red Sox and all that stuff. So maybe you're good luck. Maybe you're going to bring the, the run for Cincinnati here with, with our sports. Don't think I haven't thought of that, but um, <laughs> if, if I only wish I had something to do with it, uh, I could make a small fortune, I'm sure. Right, right, exactly. I know you uh, talking about covering hockey. I love hockey. I My son played hockey throughout high school. We traveled and all that stuff, so I'm a big Blue Jackets fan. I don't talk much about it on the, on my show because, well, there's not that many <laughs> hockey fans here in Cincinnati, but I do, I do uh, like – the uh, Blue Jackets. So let's get into let's get into the Bengals here. And mm-hmm. Jamar Chase again, Rookie of the Week. I think he is on pace right now to get Rookie of the Year. To be honest, I mean uh, he's had an incredible start to his rookie season. Uh, he has, and he is justifying what the Bengals did in spending the first round, uh, fifth overall pick on him in the draft and not going with Panay Sewell. It's interesting, of course, this week, uh, the Bengals will be facing Panay Sewell and the Detroit Lions. Panay Sewell kind of getting moved around on that Detroit offensive line as Dan Campbell tries to find ways uh, to get that offensive line to mesh for Jared Goff. But uh, Panay Sewell has a sprained ankle. It's you know tough for him to get going, and you know he can't really – put up statistics that indicate, um, you know, a contribution to the offense the way Jamar Chase has already. And his ability, Jamar Chase, to separate at the top of routes when he's got guys on him covering him like a glove is pretty exceptional. And the other thing I would tell you in in a lot of players, um, including Dave, former players like Dave Lapham, uh, have told me, watch how steady his upper body is as he runs. Mm-hmm. It doesn't move. That's right. why he's able to get down the field so deep and make a play like he did right before halftime, the 70-yard touchdown on Sunday against Green Bay, and uh, make those plays consistently. Yeah, he had the drops in training camp, but Jerry Rice, for God's sake, yes. had yes. drops. Mm-hmm. Exactly. When, when he first came out of Mississippi Valley State in 1984, uh, people forget that. I mean, people have, or 83, I think it was, but people have such insanely short memories. They have no uh, perspective on the history of the National Football League and how superstar Hall of Fame players, and I'm not saying he's going to be all that yet, but just for focus, I mean, just for perspective, I wish people would just kind of take a deep breath when a player has a bad game. You know, even with T. Higgins last week, that was a bad drop in the fourth quarter. But I think he's going to be able to rebound this week against Detroit, and I, I think T. Higgins is going to have a big, big game against uh, a very young uh, Lions secondary. Yeah, and speaking of, of, of uh, coming back or, or, or making up for last week, Evan Money Mick McPherson, um, <laughs> I, I, I the, 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 that ball, the second one that he, he kicked, I have season tickets. That's the end zone that I sit in. And he's uh-huh. won two games in that end zone. I swore it was good. I was celebrating with him. And all of a sudden, they're like, it's no good. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like, I think he's going to have a bounce back uh, game. I'm not worried about him. T-A-B and when he misses, by the way, by the way, he, you can tell a lot by a kicker, a rookie kicker, veteran kicker, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. by the kind of misses they are. Right. When they are off the upright from 57 yards, you're talking about inches over 57 yards of a kick. Exactly. And it was half was more than halfway up the upright. What he is that the flag? <laughs> well, no, I'm talking about the one at the oh, end. The first of, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, sorry, yeah. That was halfway up the upright. Yep. That is a ridiculously strong kick. Maybe if he had taken a, just a touch 
off of it. Right. Maybe, uh, you know, that finds its way through the uprights. Uh, and the other one was so close. Like you said, he thought he had hit it pretty much right down the middle. Then a gust of wind takes it up. And that, again, that was from 49 yards and it went over the upright. Yep. Yep. That should tell you what kind of leg the kid has. And, you know, after the game, he, he was smiling. He wasn't nervous. He was frustrated, sure, that they didn't win the game. But I think he knew, especially on the second one in overtime, the second miss that he had in overtime, uh, that he hit it well. It yeah. just, the wind took it, and sometimes... He, it, he hit it too high. <laughs> you know? uh, probably. It, it, yeah, it might be the same thing. If he hit it lower, the gust of wind might have not taken it ever. Because where I was sitting... Trust me, there was no wind. I wish there was. I was sweating my ass off <laughs> in the stands. I wish there was. It was wind. a warm one. Yeah, maybe up, but you know, by the flag there, then there it had to be a wind because it was going completely straight, and it just just went totally sideways. But I, yeah, I, I, I that's that that game last Sunday was kind of a heartbreaker for the Bengals um, because they played a Super Bowl caliber team very well for the most part. And yeah. yes, they let Devontae Adams run free. I, you know, really on three breakdowns, uh, two of which were coverage breakdowns, and the other uh, was that uh, Zach Taylor said it was technique, the one, the 32 yarder when he right. was running free in the secondary. Right. Um, but uh, overall, I thought the Bengals, Devontae Adams, big day aside, I thought they played very competitively against certainly a Super Bowl caliber team. Absolutely. And that's why I try to uh, tell Bengals fans here. It's like, I I don't want the Bengals players themselves to take a moral victory lap, but I'll take one. I mean, we went blow for blow with the Green Bay Packers. And yeah, technically we, we could have, should have won the game. I mean, we, we were right. right there, you know, a, a play here and there. I mean, I'll go back to, and I, I brought this up with a couple other guests this week, the, the non holding call that was on, that should have been called on DJ reader that he got called for the tripping penalty. I mean, we stopped them on that third down. And they turned around, I think, and they gave him the tripping penalty. It should have at least been offsetting penalties, at least. Because, yeah, DJ did trip right. him. But he got held and yanked down to the ground. That They ended up getting a field goal on that. I mean, if they call that you know, offsetting and they replayed it down, who knows what's going to happen. So you can go back so many different things with, with that game of could have done this, could have done that. It's a football game. It's a national football game against the team that was in the NFC Championship game last year. And we were right there with them. So I think that bodes well going forward into the second half of the season because – Let's be honest, second half of the season, it's going to be a lot harder. Oh, there's no question about that. And they know that. They have, you know, this week in Detroit is the first of three straight road games, two of which have to be wins, if you ask me. The Lions and the Jets, of course. The Ravens in Baltimore is going to be difficult. But the Ravens in Baltimore are beatable. I mean, look, anybody who watched that Monday night game with the Colts, the Colts had them beat every which way from Sunday. It was 25 to 9, I believe it was. And the Ravens went, or 25 to 6, something like yeah. that. And the Ravens uh, tied that game late and wound up winning it, uh, of course, in overtime. But for the most part, a really underachieving Colts team had the Ravens beat uh, in Baltimore. And I was not watching that game you know, coming away with the sense that the Bengals have no shot in Baltimore. Yes, it's a division game. They're going to have to execute all of the cliches and all of that. It's all true, mm -hmm. but um, I think they have a, a decent chance to win in Baltimore if they execute. But I will tell you, and I wrote this uh, earlier this week, um, 
when talking about the lessons learned on CLNS Media, the lessons learned for the Bengals, mm-hmm. you better rebound this. We yes. better emotionally show or show you're emotionally capable of rebounding from a game like Sunday against Green Bay against an inferior roster. There's no other way to put that. The Bengals have much better talent up and down, starting with the quarterback, much better talent up and down the roster. They've got to show it on Sunday. They can't go into the, I I don't like the the attitude that, well, this is a team that almost beat Baltimore. This is a team that almost beat Minnesota. Well, that doesn't matter. You have the better team go in and show it. Exactly. And and I think that, I think they're going to to do that. I think it is going to be a big bounce back win. And I want to bring up something that you and Chelsea were talking about on your podcast is going into – I'm not trying to skip over the, the Detroit Lions. We'll, we'll, we'll get to them mm-hmm. here in a little bit. But going into the – the and I call them the Rat Birds, the Rat Birds and the Clowns games. Chelsea, I think it was Chelsea or you brought it up. I can't remember. But uh, position by position, offensively position-wise, the Bengals are more skilled at, at wide receiver, running back, and stuff like that than the Browns and, and, and the Clowns and the Rat Birds in every position. So I think as far as that goes, they can play well. Now I think – uh, Cleveland has a really good defense. Lamar Jackson is playing on an unbelievable level right now. Let's be honest. I mean, he is their team, they, but yep. he's playing awesome. I really do think that the Bengals can play with these teams, but they have to get their offense clicking. We're all still waiting for them to start scoring 30 points a game. Well, Kelsey was uh, saying to me that, um, you know, the Bengals in the first half just have not shown any killer instinct. And I think she's right on the money about right. that, mm-hmm. that, yeah, that. You, they just come out and look like, well, we'll take our time getting into a rhythm. I think Bengal fans, and I think everybody for that matter, players included, are tired of waiting for them to wake up in the first half. And, you know, that feeling out process, the, the Bengals, um, and I see, you know, one of the commenters uh, on the show says, honestly, the Bengals should have scored more on Green Bay. Yes, they should have. Uh, they should have done a better job in the first half. Uh, they had the ability to move down the field uh, and couldn't finish drives. And my, my concern with the Bengals right now is their inability to move the ball on third and short. Um, they have had, Jeff, I think they've had 31 or 32 third and five or less, mm-hmm. and they've converted 14 of them. Right. That's inexcusable. That is that's got to change. That's got to be better, whether it's screen passes, whether it's draws, some type of trickeration. The mm-hmm. Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan, their M.O. is offensive ingenuity. Right. right. Well, they have got to get together, get their minds together and figure out how can we be better on these downs is it a matter of just lining up and giving it to Mixon and telling frank pollock look get your guys to zone block and we're going to run backside through it because the best runs this year and every bengal fan watching right now will tell you that their backside zone read runs uh are the is the only time they've been able to really spring joe Mixon. well if that's the case you better have about 10 or you know 10 or 12 of them (laughs) up your sleeve uh, in, in some form or fashion on Sunday against Detroit because this Detroit team is getting run on a lot. They have the 23rd-ranked or 24th-ranked run defense in the National Football League. They're giving up 130 yards a game on the ground. Now, now, do you think when it comes to Zach's play calling, do you think it has 
to do because there's been times where he's been very aggressive, and then there's other times where he's kind of conservative. And I know that's been a big topic uh, in in the right. Twitterverse and radio stations and everything with the with the Bengals uh, this week. Do you think that has a lot to do with him trying to protect Joe Burrow too much? Or I, I call him Jackpot Joey. That's why I got the Jackpot Joey flag and all that stuff. But or JP not JP not bad JP J nine is what we call him. Um, yep. Do you think is that has something to do with? Do you think the the conservativeness at times? There might be some of that. Um, I, I'm glad you bring up Joe Burrow and conservativeness and and uh, how they are using him. First thing I want to see from Joe Burrow is him protecting himself. Right. Get, and and not just not running out of the pocket. That's obvious. You don't want your quarterback getting drilled like Aaron Rodgers said right. uh, after the game on Sunday um, to him. You uh, want to protect him. But the other thing I want to see Joe Burrow do is look more comfortable in the pocket. I don't know about you, and I asked Zach Taylor this question earlier in the week about his pocket presence and how uh, he believes Joe Burrow looks in the pocket. And he says he, he looks great to him. I'm like, mm, I don't know if I see that same confidence in the pocket. I don't see an ability to easily step forward in the pocket, slide around in the pocket. I see Joe Burrow feeling more pressure than I think he thought he was going to get this season. I thought mm -hmm. the offensive line, the offensive line's a tough one to figure out for me this year because they've had their moments uh, where they've certainly protected well on the edge. They're not right. getting beat very much right. uh, either from Riley Reed or Jonah Williams. I think both of them have been very good. I haven't seen the PFF uh, pro football focus grades on them, but I know they're like north of 82, 83. So that's pretty good. But the interior line has had its, troubles this year especially you know jackson carmen's a rookie you expect that uh trey hopkins has struggled at times with pass protection um and quentin spain is a great run blocker he's been beaten a couple of times in pass protection they've got to be better up the middle protect uh, protecting burrow against twists and stunts and whatnot so that the integrity of the pocket stays there so he can step up and slide around and that's one thing i'd like to see a little bit more of and a, and a quicker release from joe burrow yeah as far as the offensive line goes i i think our, our tackles are are set i was trying to put up a graphic here for for, for jonah but for some reason it doesn't want to i saw the I, I saw the image of him blocking whoever that is from the bears i can't if you can see it great i can't see it on my screen <laughs> i don't know why but I mean, General Williams has done a very good job of of protecting and, and Riley Reef. So I think our tackles are good. Trey Hopkins, I know people are still wondering what's up with him, but yeah, and I always keep saying this. You have to remember he got a, his knee injury, same one Joe did, or maybe right. not as bad, but same one in the last game of the season, and he came back game one. So he's still working his way back from that. And I, I've always liked Q. I think Quentin Spain it was. I uh, he's a he. I wrote a story on him for CLNS last week about the size uh, and strength and the, the agility of Quentin Spain, what he did for Buffalo, uh, what what the Bills saw in him. But you know, it's, it was almost shocking to me that the Bills let him go, uh, and I think the Bengals picking him up that was a very good move by Duke Tobin and, and the personnel department with the Bengals. Bengals have made some very Keen acquisitions, I think. Some very, very strategic, uh, well-placed, well-positioned acquisitions that have added um, a lot of depth 
uh, and and not just depth that they filled some gaps with yes. acquisitions uh, along that offensive line. I but I just think that you know I think Hopkins and the right guards uh, spot has to pick up its level of play for this yes. offense to get to where it needs to go. So let, let that brings us to to Jackson Carmen and he got cleared uh, from the COVID list. Uh, yep. I don't. Uh, Smart JP Ron is is not so he's he's Correct. he's out. Um, and from what I've I've heard and read that it depends on how Jackson did today and tomorrow as moving forward, if he's going to play on Sunday. And if he doesn't, then it's probably Fred Johnson. And to be honest, that's scary. Well, I, know, I, mean, I, I believe it will be uh, Trey Hill. Who oh, really? Okay. Yeah, Trey Hill will back up um, Jackson Carmen at right guard because Trey Hill was drafted as a guard. I actually asked um, – Zach Taylor about that today, and he, I said, "What what have you what have you seen in him uh, in college at at right guard or at guard period?" Right. He said, "Well, we drafted him as a guard, and then we had to slot him in uh, at center and give him reps there as well. But he got most a, a lot of reps not only this week but uh, early in camp at guard, so he's very familiar with the spot, and he could step in and play for Jackson Carmen. And you know, that's not ideal." Uh, but I think that's, you know, the situation you're in because obviously right. with Deontay Smith going down with meniscus tear, yeah, and he's I feel gone. bad for that that kid. He, I think he's gonna, yeah, I think he's going to be. I think he. I really do think he's a diamond in the rough. I, I think him and Jackson, future wise, are two starting guards. Future wise, not not necessarily right. Yeah, now. Jackson, I mean, I think that's right. projectable. No question about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, the Bengals are dealing right now with the here and now, and right, exactly. they have got to. Uh, have a plan in place because uh, with the XSF uh, going down with his knee injury Mm -hmm. and then you have Jackson Carmen and him going on IR, I think he'll be back. I think he will be your starting right guard on Sunday in Detroit. I do. Um, And that's kind of where I'm at. I I think he will um, because he, as far as I know, he's got the game plan and he's been up to speed. He just hasn't been on the practice field until today. So I, I, I don't know if he's asymptomatic. I, they, I don't. I don't know any details of that. I don't think he was actually sick. I think he, you know he was exposed or something like that. So if he was sick, it might be a different a different thing. Well, I don't think he would have cleared protocol if he right. were exhibiting symptoms. I, I think that's yes, a good point. Yes, yeah, exactly. So that, think... that 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 goes to where I I would be. I don't say shocked, but I'm expecting him him to to start. And uh, now look, talking about the Bengals picking up players, they they signed Trey Flowers. Okay. Uh, today, what, what's your thoughts on that? So. Uh, Interesting pickup. Uh, asked uh, Zach Taylor about him today. He will travel. He will not play on Sunday. So do not expect Trey Flowers. By the way, a different spelling than the Trey Flowers I covered in New England, who is now with the Lions, by the way. Um, Trey Flowers, the corner, does not have a Y on the end of his uh, first name. Just uh, clearing up things. Details, details, you know. Exactly, exactly. Nice man. Uh, but anyway, uh, Trey Flowers is a, a corner who uh, had has uh, two years of experience with Seattle. I believe he has uh, 43 games of experience and 40 starts. So that's a lot of starting action for a very good defense uh, up in Seattle. So, um, again, I think that's a pretty savvy move from Duke Tobin to, you know, be pouring over the wires, the waiver wires, and pick up a guy who has started 40 games in the National Football League yes, at cornerback. Yes. And he's six foot three out of Oklahoma State. He's got size, got length. And he's, uh, he's, he's a tackler, too, from what, what I've read. And that's that's what Lou likes. 
Yes, and they need that. Uh, they have not been great at times with tackling in the secondary. I mean, people are, are you know kind of kill Von Bell about that uh, missed tackle uh, in the backfield on that big run uh, by Green Bay in overtime. But Jesse they Bates, him down. They him he did chase him down. That right. that's a, just that's an amazing not, athletic right. play. But if you go back and watch the replay, and I saw this at the time, Jesse Bates also missed him. Right. And Jesse Bates is a guy you, you don't expect to miss many no. tackles, no. but he also whiffed on that play, and that really opened the door for that that run to really take off. And um, you know the Bengals have to be better tackling. One of the things I noticed, uh, and it really stuck out to me covering the Patriots for all those years, um, starting with Devin McCourty and Patrick Chung, amazing tacklers mm-hmm. as defensive mm-hmm. backs, just incredible tacklers. Uh, fundamentally sound. They didn't always go for the big hit, but they wanted to make sure they uh, wrapped and brought them to the ground. And they almost always did that. And the Bengals have to be better in the secondary of doing that. Um, I, one thing, the biggest improvement I've seen in the Bengals defense, when people ask about this, first of all, it's obviously the defensive line being disruptive with DJ Reader and Larry Ogunjobi mm-hmm. at the tackles. The second area, they swarm to the ball much, yes. much yes. better than they have in, in years past. And when you swarm like that, um, you, what do you create? You create more of a chance for turnovers like you did in the Vikings uh, game on opening day. That was just simply a result of guys swarming to the ball and stripping the ball and getting the ball back. That's why they won that game and didn't lose it. Right. Uh, and they've been doing that much better this year. You could see it early in Uh, preseason against Tampa Bay and Washington that uh, this team was going to be better in that regard on defense. Uh, But the team has to, the secondary still has to improve in their ability to cover tight ends and running backs, which is a problem that so many NFL, even competitive teams, uh, contending teams have that problem of covering tight ends and, and running backs in the flat and over the, over crossers over the middle and whatnot. Uh, Bengals are going to get tested this weekend with TJ Hawkinson, uh, one of the better young tight ends in the National Football League. They've got to mark him. they got to mark him, make sure that he is not running free like Devontae Adams did last week right. for the Packers. Right, exactly. But th- 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 that brings me to the wide receivers for the Bengals because from what I understand, Detroit, I think all their, their, their three – cornerbacks are all undrafted free agents that that's correct this year very so good bodes, ice man yeah that bodes well for for teams, well Jamar chase tyler boyd to, to you know, hopefully maybe we can score 30 points like we all want us to do you've got jerry jacobs a college free agent undrafted free agent this year aj parker a college free agent this year you've got um uh, amani uruare uh, he is a, <laughs> a, yes, third year, third year player. Uh, and then they've got, um, uh, Daryl Worley, uh, again, a street free agent, uh, mm-hmm. this year, they've right. got a lot of young or inexperienced faces in that secondary. This has to be a game where you account for Trey flowers at the, at the uh, line of scrimmage. You don't let him kill Joe Burrow. Right. You, uh, account for Michael Brockers who, um, Zach Taylor knows very well from his days with the Rams. Right, you, you got to ha- you got to handle those two guys, and make sure that the middle of your offensive uh, line takes care of you know the defensive tackles like they should every day, every exactly. game. And if you can give uh, Joe Burrow a pocket or a moving pocket, there should be guys open downfield. There just should be. 
period. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and this is to me, a, um, I, I won't say a must win, but you have to no, win this game. It's, no, it's, 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 it's pretty close emotionally. Yeah, it's a must yeah. win. I mean, well, I especially because you got you got Baltimore rolling in next week, and then the Jets. And it, it, to me, if you're if you are trying to say that you're a playoff team, you have to put it on the tiger or the tiger the, the Lions. You have to put it on them. And that this is where I think Jack Taylor needs to take the reins off Joe Burrow and just let him go. And and, and this is the game to do it. And, and hopefully get some kind of rhythm because he like they don't get any rhythm in the offense to the second half, which I like that Zach's I think is very good at making second half adjustments. But it's the, the script that plays at the beginning of the game where I think he needs to do a, a little better at, and hopefully this Sunday is where it starts. Yeah, and um, you know, you're not gonna win the opening coin toss every single day like they have. They're five no <laughs> with uh, the coin flip, and that's and you know, and that has not been insignificant. The Bengals have for the most part taken advantage of that. Uh Absolutely. they did not on Sunday against Green Bay, and it cost them when Burrow made that forced throw down the field to Auden Tate. Yep. Because he hit it on a on a uh, uh, breakdown play, a, a break, a go drill uh, with uh, t- with Jamar Chase right before halftime for the right. touchdown. Right. He tried it again with Auden Tate, and he just didn't have the arms. It was a tough throw to make because he didn't make it early enough. He made it too too late in the route and too close to the sideline, so he underthrew him and. Uh, the ball was picked off by Green Bay. That was a killer because the Bengals, you got the sense they were moving the ball again to start the second half, and that really killed the momentum, and Green Bay took it right down on them. And Natty says if the Bengals don't score more than 30 points, uh, we should be worried. Um, I, I, well, I'm not going to put a number on it. I just think the offense should look like it's in a rhythm and scoring and going because, I mean, if you get out on them, Maybe you don't keep scoring. Maybe you take the foot off gas. I don't know, but I just want to see a rhythm. I want to see them in in make easy throws, make make easy plays that they should do against the, the Lions. I agree with that, and I'm trying to bring up the uh, Lions press release, and I have it right here. Um, the Niners scored 41 points against them opening day. Packers scored 35. They had that big uh, second half, 21 points in the second half on that Monday night game. Uh, and uh, the Packers obviously won that game. Baltimore only scored 19 points. Uh, the Bears scored 24, and their offense is abysmal. And the Vikings scored only 19 points with Kirk Cousins. By the way, oh, quick, quick aside, uh-huh. your thoughts on Kirk Cousins? Uh, as far as a quarterback goes? Yeah, like a, a quarterback getting paid $86 million guaranteed. He's way too overpaid. I mean, oh, my honest. goodness. I mean, I, I, mean I, I think he's, he to me, he's a little above Andy Dalton, maybe a little bit. You know, but yeah, he's, de- he's definitely overpaid by, by, by far. He's not a guy that to me, you can consistently put the ball in his hands and he's going to go out and win it for you, my opinion. I- I agree, and uh, I just had to get off on that quick little rant. <laughs> Although I, I do think he, he played well at times against the Bengals in the yeah. opener, but the Bengals had the answers at the end. I think, he's just not I think, consistent enough. Is for no, me. he's not. No, he's not. And that's, frankly, uh, you know, I think Joe Burrow has been pretty consistent, um, but they've got to get the points to, right. you know, reflect that now, right. and that that's going to be the big challenge. Exactly. Now, since we're talking about Jack by Joey Burrow, I want, and you covered uh, the GOAT, Tom Brady, for all those years. I did. And, and there's a lot, a lot of people that are co- co- uh, comparing Joe, and not even necessarily his play on the field, but his 
his demeanor off the field and the way he's a, a leader is, is kind of too top to Tom Brady. What's your thoughts on that since you, you covered him for all those years? Uh, there is some of that. There's the smile, the way he handles the media. Uh, he under uh, he he doesn't overstep with hyperbole. He doesn't. He's very careful with his words. He tries to listen to every question very carefully and give a give an answer that won't paint him into a corner, right, which right. is a Brady smart. staple. Well, it's smart too. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, I, but what I'm more interested in, in seeing in terms of the comparison is how the two handle games and under pressure. Right. And I think Burrow has been exceptional in that regard. Absolutely. And that's why Bengal fans should be really excited. The game, the game against Jacksonville was absolutely uh, an indication of what Joe Burrow mm -hmm. is like in pressure. That play to CJ Uzama, the white end, uh, the, excuse me, the tight end screen on the uh, zero blitz, right. that was perfect execution with a man in his face, uh, needing to get down the field with a chance to win the game. And when you see that play, I don't care if it's Jacksonville who's lost 18 right. straight. I don't care who it is. It's you. executing in the yes. situation, and that's what makes Joe Burrow so special. Well, what's you know, better about oh, God, sorry. Yeah, and the other thing I would tell you is he's got the pedigree of doing that on the biggest stage in college football, which yes. is still a big deal. When when you see him down 17-7 uh, in the first half against Clemson in the national championship game, there's no panic. When you see Alabama come back and make a game of it, uh, when uh, the uh, LSU had that big lead at halftime against uh, Alabama, uh, Joe Burrow did not panic on right. the road at Tuscaloosa. He carried his team to victory. He made the plays he needed to make in both of those situations. And I think that's what excites the Bengals more than anything else, more than, you know, his supposed, you know, lack of uh, a rifle like John Elway or even Carson Palmer, who I think Carson Palmer, even to this day, Iceman has the strongest arm of any Bengal quarterback I've ever seen. Oh, yeah, he, yeah, he, he had a, a rifle on, on, on his arm there. But Joe, Joe Burrow, and, and I always compare it to this way. You don't have to have the strongest arm. No, it's you do not. to be accurate. And Joe Burrow is one of the most accurate quarterbacks I've ever seen in my life. Some of the, some of the plays he makes and the windows he fits it in is ridic ridiculous. Well, and that's the, that is the comparison to Tom Brady. Early on, what was said about Tom Brady? He didn't have the arm strength. He couldn't throw the deep ball or throw it accurately. And those are two of the same arguments made against Joe Burrow. Well, yes, there have been a couple of balls that Joe Burrow has underthrown to Jamar Chase, and Chase has made uh, the recovery. But the thing is, What's more important is watching Joe Burrow keep his head up and his eyes downfield. And that's yes. what Zach Taylor has told me a couple of times in the last two weeks. Watch Joe Burrow in his ability uh, when he moves out of the pocket uh, to keep his eyes downfield. That's what makes him a great quarterback. And he'll get the timing down. He has a strong enough arm Absolutely. to get the ball 50 yards in the air. And that's really all you need. If you can lead a receiver and get, get the timing down better, with Jamar Chase at the back end of the route, um, they're going to put up some big, big plays. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I want to roll back to, to uh, the defense a little bit. And uh, my uh, last year on my show, I kept calling Lou and Aromo Lou Armadillo because I could not figure out what he was trying to do on defense. I kept calling it the Armadillo defense, which I didn't know what it was. 
I think he has done an outstanding job this year with the defense. No question. I also think it helps that he has players who have bought into it and are willing to do it and able also what he wants. absolutely true <laughs> so, so, there's no question about both of those points that uh, Lou Anarumo feels more comfortable calling aggressive defenses mixing things up he has said from the beginning of training camp on through that he loves the intelligence of this defense meaning he can call things that are a little more complicated and a little more nuanced and his uh, defense will understand what he's trying to do, what leverage he's trying to run and whatnot. And they seem together on one. The other thing that I've noticed about the Bengal defense, and this goes to the swarming point, they're all tied together on a string. That's what defensive coordinators want to see. They want to see, they don't want to see any little pockets broken off, fragment, fragmented defense, if you will, where one or two guys break off and have no idea what they're doing on defense. Anna Rumo battled that his first two years here in Cincinnati. This year, you don't see that as much. And right. because of that, you see a, a defense that's playing together more and, again, swarming to the ball. And Anna Rumo's been able to do a lot more because, first of all, he's controlling the line of scrimmage. Any defensive coordinator will tell you that if you can control the line of scrimmage and disrupt the line of scrimmage, uh, you could do a lot more in terms of being creative uh, in the second and third levels. Yeah, exactly. And and I I didn't understand last year when he would try to drop back our defensive ends in the coverage, but I saw Sam Hubbard. Carlos Dunlap. Yeah, Carlos Dunlap <laughs> didn't want to do it. No, Sam he certainly Hubbard, didn't. <laughs> no, Sam Hubbard did it perfectly in the Squealers game. He And I saw it live. I'm like, what's he doing? He dropped back behind the line, and he, and he stood there, and Ben snapped the ball, and he waited, waited, waited. Then he, took, then he blitzed. So it was a delayed blitz, and that's the one where he hit right. uh, Ben in, in the elbow. And I'm like, wow, that's what they're supposed to do. Okay, that's what it's supposed to look like. I've seen him dropping Carlos back, and I'm like, what? Carlos doesn't drop back. What, nope. what is that? So, I mean, once you get guys that are bought in, and, and that's the thing what, on – this team in general, the players are bought into Lou and Zach and what they're trying to do. You can see it on their execution on the field and and how they're playing. You know that they they're bought into the system and what they're trying to accomplish here right now. Uh, there's no question about that. And look, I, I joke about Carlos Dunlap. He was just never going to be a part of what the Bengals were no. building going forward. And they were again give Duke Tobin credit for getting rid of him, trading him, getting something for him, and moving forward. Yeah, I do not think in all of the revival of the Bengals this year and them playing much more competitive football on both sides of the ball and getting a, a reliable place kicker, yes, he, he missed a couple of kicks against the Packers. I get that. But I think everybody would agree. Anybody who's watched Evan McPherson with two game-winning kicks at the gun, he's been nails. He's money Mick. <laughs> Duke Tobin doesn't get enough credit for how yes. he has restructured the roster and this roster. I mean, you ask other NFL executives, um, they are impressed with what the Bengals have here and you just give them a little bit more success, give the coaching staff a little bit more time to gel. Uh, they're going to be a dangerous team. And if they get to the playoffs, anything, and I mean this, I mean, this right. sounds cliche, but anything can happen. happen. Yes. With, with a talented roster. But the, the, all of that being said, Iceman, Zach and Brian Callahan need to have a game 
Yes. They need to have a game where, oh, that's what the offense is supposed to look like against an inferior team. That's what it's supposed to do. They need one of those. They need a couple of those. They need one of. I think it's for confidence too in themselves that what we're trying to do is working, you know. So, so our concepts and stuff does work, and maybe to to just let, like I said, let the the reins off off Joe and let let the reins off this offense and just call some crazy stuff up and just go kill some people like we think they're going to do. Right, and I think uh, you know this weekend has the opportunity for the Bengals to show what they're really made of, the talent, the superiority in their talent. Um, they absolutely have to, and I see your Hunter Morris makes the point, uh, that the last two drafts will be major contributors to our team success. Absolutely agree with he's that. Ki- he's killed it on these. The Duke has done awesome on the last two. Drafts. So the draft this, imagine if Joseph Osai hadn't suffered a <sighs> knee know. injury, yeah, I know. imagine what the uh-huh. defense would, the weapons they would have. I think the trade, even though right now it doesn't look like the best of uh, best timing for it this year for you know Billy Price to have been traded for BJ Hill, oh, but Hill's great played team. great. Oh, I mean, he he's, stole Hill. He stole him. I think. Yes, I agree. And you give you trade Billy Price for Hill every day of the week and on absolutely. Sunday. You absolutely yeah. do. And they've made moves that have added depth at key areas. And I I do like the way they have rebuilt the defense in the trenches. I, they've got still, and I think they would admit this, they still have some work to do in the offensive oh, trenches. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the thing is, what's cool is, is I, I don't know if they're still up there, but I know uh, I think four of, of our front four was, or let's see, BJ Hill was, Larry and Joby, uh, three of them, and DJ Reader, and maybe Sam Hubbard, were in the top 20, I think, in per, per, a percentage of, of pressures on a quarterback. I think I'm getting that right. I'm trying to get off the top of my head. But I'm pretty sure, and that's that's – Huge compared to last year. We couldn't get pressure on the quarterback to save our Correct. life last year. Trey Hendrickson, a big, big yes. part of that. You yeah. don't have to put up sacks every single week. I mean, you'd like to. Certainly, it's a results-driven league, but um, he's getting pressures, and that is as, as important to Lou Anarumo um, as the sacks are because if you're forcing the quarterback to do something before he wants to do it, that's the whole idea yeah, exactly. of pass defense, right? I mean, defending the quarterback make him do something when he's not ready to do it the other thing i would tell you and maybe i want to correct something it's not necessarily that the bengals right now need to draft more offensive linemen they need guys like jackson carmen deontay uh smith uh and certainly uh trey hopkins uh sorry trey hill to uh come into their own but Absolutely. I think they need another Quentin Spain type of guy on the interior line, a veteran who can come in and give them some depth uh, with some winning experience, who knows what he's doing. That's why Quentin Spain is one of the silent leaders of this of this offense. Uh, he he is a nat. I asked uh, Frank Pollock about him, and he said he's the nastiest guy in that room, and that's a good thing. We want mm-hmm. a guy to be nasty, high expectations, and lead. And that's what you get with Quentin Spain. I think they need one or two more guys like that um, just to provide some depth if, if things are going rough for Jackson Carmen. There's a fine line here, Iceman, between letting Jackson Carmen develop on his own and, and suffer some you know bad breaks or suffer, right. suffer some uh, failures in games and not, and not getting your quarterback killed. And yeah, you don't want to happen what happened to Michael Jordan. You don't want that to happen to Jackson Carmen because I think Michael Jordan. No, exactly. Way too early and right. was never 
coached up enough. And, and I mean, Frank Pollock, I think, has raised the level of the coaching for, for the offensive line tenfold. I, mean, I it, don't think Frank Pollock would put Jackson Carmen in that same spot, meaning right. if he saw Jackson Carmen, his technique was really bad and, and getting spun around like Michael Jordan was, uh, especially in that game in Washington, uh, I don't think he would put his young player in that position. Well, and the one thing I, that that I like uh, that Frank's doing this year is we do really have a, uh, at least the same guys on the offensive line. You know, the only person they've switched out is is, is uh, Xavier Surfield for Jackson Carmen. Everybody else has started every single game. And the offensive line, that's one thing to have a good, steady offensive line. You need the same guys in the same position every week so they can start working together and moving as, as one solid unit. And they're getting better. They're, they're getting there. No, they're they're not dominant. And and none of us Bengals fans that I know of said that, oh, we need to have a, a dominant offensive line with Joe Burrow. You just got to give him time. And that's where I think that they are are gradually getting to. And 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 I agree with you with the that they need to develop uh Deontay Smith and, and Trey Hill. And I said the same thing before the season started. I wish they would have picked up like one more guard just as for a backup to 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 help out the young guys. Because by the way, a, a quick aside here before we get going, yeah. and I have to run. Um, Isaiah Prince, I mm-hmm. love his, mm-hmm. I love his yes. um, agility and his mobility, his ability to play third tackle and get on the outside. That also gives, I think, Brian Callahan and Zach Taylor some options uh, in jumbo packages. Right. I, I have no problem with the Bengals playing jumbo mm-hmm. um, if. If they get creative or maybe use Isaiah Prince as a, a, a tackle eligible. Uh, yeah, that's how I keep. That's how I keep well, I mean, how many, t- <laughs> how many times did we watch a Hall of Famer and Anthony Munoz yep. catch mm-hmm. a ball in the end zone? Absolutely. Why not, not, why not do that with Isaiah Prince if he's got hands? I mean, I haven't seen him catch a ball yet, so maybe I'm getting <laughs> I, I said that exact same thing to him walking out the practice this week. I said, one of these days, they're going to throw it to you. <laughs> anyway, Mike, I, Trags, I appreciate you coming on. I know you got to get out of here. Tell everybody about your podcast and your articles and, and all that stuff for you. Sure. You Jungle got. Roar Podcast. You can follow it on Twitter. Either you follow me on Twitter, at Trags, easy enough, T-R-A-G-S. Or the Jungle Roar Pod, all one word. Um, you can also follow my work uh, as I work on my what to look for uh, for Sunday's game, Bengals Lions, on CLNS Media, W2L4. That's what I call it. And then I'll have a game, a, a column after the game from Detroit. I'll be in Detroit. And I'll have a column again on Monday, postscript, uh, win or lose. Awesome. Well, Trags has been a great time having you on the show. We'll have to do it again sometime. I appreciate you giving me some time, and hopefully we'll have a win on Sunday. Who day? Who day, and my pleasure, Jeff. Take care, bud. See ya. Thank you. All right, guys. Uh, if you have not followed Trags, you need to go follow him on Twitter. Check out the uh, Jungle War podcast. It's really good to get uh, Chelsea on there from the uh, Cincinnati Inquirer uh, earlier on this week. It's a really good podcast. He's a really good follow on on Twitter, so check him out. And like I said, as always, I appreciate him coming on. And it's Friday. We got the Bearcats playing Central Florida tomorrow. I can't wait. I got my boy who was on the show yesterday. Karen's coming over, and we are going to watch the Bearcats hopefully whoop up on the Central Knights. That would be awesome. And then turn around and watch um, the Bengals whoop up on the Detroit Lions. Okay, now 
Sometimes I give score predictions. Sometimes I don't. I think I'm going to. I wrote one down here. And I am looking for. I said this all season or since the season started that I think the Bengals could come close to averaging 27 to 30 points a game. Take it for what it's worth. I think it, the score is going to be 30 to 17 Bengals. I think, well, I'll put it this way. I hope <laughs> they get off to a fast, fast start. Don't go three and out in the first drive. Go down, set the tone, score a touchdown, get out in front of these guys. I know they're getting all kinds of, the Lions are getting all kinds of pub for playing hard and playing for the coach, which is great. That's awesome. I'm glad they do. The Bengals play hard and they play for the coach too, and they're more talented. The Bengals need to go out there and prove that they are the more talented team and get out there, get in front of them, and just not even make it a game. Just end it quickly because next week is the Ratbirds. And like I said, Lamar Jackson does scare me. And, and I will I will tell you what how I said to beat the, the Rappers. You keep Lamar in the pocket and you make him throw the ball. He's killing it right now. <laughs> he, is, he is way more accurate than he's ever been in his career. So Lamar Jackson really does scare me. So let's get the win in Detroit. Let's go to four and two. And let's have hopefully a lot of fun. All right, Tim, you got a prediction here. Yours is uh, 31-21 Bengals. Let's see here. Get a couple more comments here and I'll get out of here. Hunter, believe that they aren't going to keep starting out slow. They're just are too talented for that. I, that's Hunter, I'm I'm with you, man. I, that's what I'm I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for it to click. Natty says, score early and often. Don't let the Lions hang around. Exactly. Uh, what time is UC playing tomorrow? They are playing at noon and it's on ABC, their Crip or Crip Crown. By the way, Crown. I want to give you a shout out for you guys who are moderators on my channel. Shout out for helping me out with that troll that was on my show yesterday. We got to keep those guys off of my channel. I hate when they do that. So anyway, uh, let's see here. Um, Natty 20 or excuse me, 42, 17 lions and rabbit. Yeah. That guy's awesome. Yeah. Go, go check out Trags. Like I said, he's, he's on, uh, on Twitter. <laughs> So I'm not laughing at you, Rabbit. Laugh at that crip. Crip's crazy. Bengals 500. <laughs> Detroit 3. <laughs> hey, that sounds good to me, Crip. Let's go for it. All right, let me get to the Facebook groups and let me live stream. And I appreciate every single one of them. They are Hootay Nation, Hootay Legion, Bearcat Ruckus, Bearcat Country, the Ohio State Bucknuts, Cincinnati Reds, running third, heading for home. The Ice Bar, and then you can follow me on all my social media platforms, all under Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Twitter handle is at Jeff A. Trenopole. TikTok is at Iceman90. Just look up Sports with Strawberry Ice. You can find me. I'll be pulling out the sound later on tonight. If you missed any of the interview with oh, Trags, check it out. And you don't want to watch it for an hour, listen to it. If you're in the car, working out, if you got to work tomorrow like I do, Let's do it on a podcast. It's on BeanPod, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, pretty much wherever you get your podcast. It's there. Please make sure you rate, like, and re review. Give me a five-star review. Leave a comment so more Cincinnati fans can find my podcast. I would greatly appreciate it. Like I said at the beginning of the show, Strikes from Gift Vader and Blacklight Productions is officially on Spotify. That's the song I play at the beginning of my show and at the end of my show. Go check it out. Go download it. Keep tweeting it out. I tweeted it out. Get Vader tweeted it out some more. Trying to get it on Apple iTunes. Hopefully they'll play it in 
PBS. That would be awesome. I, that, that would be just cool. I think it's a great accomplishment. I, I'm so happy for those guys that they uh, have accomplished it in getting on Spotify. So that's cool. You got to support your local artist. It's great. And it's a badass song and a video. I love it. YouTubers, we're at 1,393 subscribers. That is awesome. As always, I appreciate every single one of you guys. Help me out. I am trying like crazy. I would love to get to 2,000 subscribers before the end of the football season, which I'm counting at the end of the football season, Super Bowl. So tell your friends, tell your neighbors to please support me and subscribe to my channel. Let's try to get to 2,000 as fast as I can. I would appreciate it. You guys are awesome. Love you guys. You guys have a great weekend. And that's my boy, Jeremy Dimebag. He's nuts. Likes to say, remember one thing and one thing only. And that is, you don't live in Cleveland. You live in Cincinnati. So act like it. Who day? Let's have a great weekend. Hope we have a fun football weekend. UC wins. The Bengals win. Have a blast. I'll see you guys Monday. Me and Cap will recap it. I think Gift Vader's going to be on, too, to talk about the Stripes, Stripes video. And other than that, that's just sports, baby. See ya!